this story doesn't begin like the others. There is no introductory anecdote, no character quotes. and I'm one of the protagonists of this podcast. You will know more about me. But before we begin, it is vital that you listen to the following warnings. If you're a journalist who has been told all your life that good news is not news, or if it doesn't lead, it doesn't lead, you are in the right place. Sit down in a comfortable place, have a refreshing drink, and free yourself from prejudices. Because in this chapter, we are going to talk about how good investigative and rigorous journalism can be done without focusing only on the tragedies that the world is experiencing. Second warning, as you can hear, English is not my mother tongue. So I hope you enjoy my accent and the pronunciation, because as Sofia Vergara says, Do you know how frustrating it is to have to translate everything in my head before I say it? Do you even know how smart I am in Spanish? My name is Laura Dulce Romero. I'm 30 and I've been a journalist for nine years. I'm from Colombia, one of the most beautiful and biodiverse countries in the world. The music you are listening is known as Vallenato, one of the most traditional and festive rhythms. You surely have preconceived ideas about Colombia. We are well known for our great artists such as Shakira, or our footballers, such as Luis Diaz or Falcao Garcia. Perhaps you have also heard about the paradises we have. Beaches, deserts, jungles, forests, and colorful rivers, which are adorned with flowers, butterflies, and birds. But it's not all wonders. This paradise has been so much desired, but so many, that it has brought us problems. Colombians have had to deal with an armed conflict for 50 years, which in addition to violence has brought us poverty, inequality and corruption. It is a pity to say that journalists in Colombia have no problem when it comes to proposing topics for our editorial boards. The problem is that most of them are related to negative events. And yes, as you hear, we must deal with a lot of pain on a daily basis. I must confess, listening to so much tragedy and writing only news that kill any glimmer of a future began to affect me. That, on top of the workload, the endless hours, the pressure of closure, and even the poor pay, made my mental and physical health deteriorate. I began to question whether I wanted to be a journalist. I became negative and cynical about discussing the country's problems. I had completely lost hope. The most worrying thing is that I didn't just see it in me. My colleagues felt the same or worse. The COVID-19 pandemic arrived and our mental health worsened. 
the news didn't stop. We all wanted to run away or at least switch off. But disconnecting is not a luxury we can all indulge in. So I started looking for a place where I could feel safe. At that time, in January 2021, I told a colleague that I was thinking of resigning. She told me that maybe I needed time and sent me the link for the fellowship program at the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. Among the requirements to enter was the creation of a project that could help me as a journalist or the newsroom where I worked. I was scared. With my level of English and my mental block, I didn't know what to propose. Mental health experts say that scrolling on social media is harmful. But right at that moment, it was very useful because I found a tweet from the Gabriel Garcia Marquez Foundation about some courses on solutions journalism. Solutions journalism? I did what everyone else would do. Ask Dr. Google. To give you the longest story short, this was the first thing I found. Solutions journalism is reporting that looks at efforts to solve major social problems and what we can learn from them. We have to understand how people are trying to solve problems, how they're adapting to new challenges in order to provide the information that the world needs to self-correct. Solutions journalism offers a lens into new possibilities. That was enough to get my attention. I realized that I wanted to continue telling stories but now from a more purposeful point of view. I knew that I wanted to talk about solutions and answers and not problems. So that's what I proposed, a solutions lab for my newsroom in Bogota. The Reuters Institute liked my proposal, and in January 2022, I was taking a flight to begin a six-month adventure in Oxford. whose objective was to learn more about journalism and get to know a little more about my idea. So far, everything in Oxford has been amazing. Besides living in a city identical to Howard's and meeting journalists from all over the world, I got to know more about the concept of solutions journalism. I also knew more about the Solutions Journalism Network. Its mission is to promote this approach so that audiences have access to stories that bring them hope and show them that a more equitable, just, and sustainable world is possible. Remember the first video I found on the internet? Well, the speaker was David Bernstein, one of the creators of the network. He, along with another journalist named Tina Rosenberg, started talking about solutions journalism much earlier, when they created a column in the New York Times called Fixes. So Fixes came first. Um, David and I started writing Fixes in 2010. And after about a year of it, David suggested that we spread this around, that we don't keep it to ourselves. And I said, go right ahead. I'm not an NGO person. I'm just a journalist. But if you want to go do that, go do that. And, um, and so that's really Solutions Journalism Network started out of fixes. Uh, it's, it's, it started in 2013 formally, and then fixes continued until, um, for 11 years until, until October of, um, 2021. 
This is Tina, and like many of us, she ended up doing what she initially refused to do. She is now part of this nonprofit organization and likes to go to newsrooms around the world to tell the advantage of solutions journalism. With patience and kindness, Tina taught me that solutions journalism is not positive news that seeks to sell a rosy world. But of course, I was still suspicious, and as a good journalist, skeptical. So I searched further on the internet and found that Tina and other promoters of solutions journalism repeated something that caught my attention and that might clear my doubts. They talk about how a good piece of solutions journalism should tell the whole story. What does it mean? To be a great piece of solutions journalism, a story has to do several things. It has to focus on the response to a problem. What is the response here? Second of all, it looks at how the response works. Third, it must offer insight. It has to have important information, not just inspiration. It also must cover the limitations of the response. What's not working about it? And then finally, it needs to look at what is the evidence of results. Um, what do we know about how well it's working and what do we not know yet? Good intentions are not enough. So if you take all those things together, W-H-O-L-E, you get the word whole, and we say that adding solutions journalism to your mix is telling the whole story. And then I thought, mm, what if I change the initial project I came to Oxford for? So to prove that solutions journalism really is a solution, I decided to put it to the test. I called eight colleagues who have filled spaces for solutions journalism in newsrooms in the Americas, Africa, and Europe to learn more about their experience and to understand how each of these letters works in practice. Pay close attention because you're about to hear a whole story about solutions journalism. Could it stop you from quitting journalism too?